What up, what up, what up? This is Black Tony and White Mike here on the Basic Dudes Podcast. Good morning, everybody. We are back with another podcast for you guys. Another lovely morning here in the great state of Michigan. We're gonna, you know what? We're gonna start doing that. I like that. The great state of Michigan. That's great. I'm taking a little bit from Texas. You know, Michigan, Michigan needs a little bit of love. So we're gonna start. We're gonna start doing that. The great state say, of Michigan. Wait a minute. What'd you say the other day? You were asking the Texas has its own pledge. Its okay. Own- yeah. So. <laughs> I realized this um, when I figured out that I was uh, born into a cult. Um, I love Texas. I will always love Texas. But when I moved to Michigan, I figured out that I was uh, literally born into a cult. Uh, So every morning uh, during school, we say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Uh, Well, after that has concluded, uh, everyone in the state of Texas at school, we say the Pledge to Texas. And it's honor the Texas flag. I pledge allegiance to thee, Texas, one state under God. Well, I is, that, th- is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. Yeah, and it's it's short, sweet, right to the point. But uh, and also there is a Texas flag right next to the American flag in every single classroom. And so, I, I thought that this was a universal thing. You know, I, uh, here's the deal: it is. Um, you asked me, and I said, "No, man. Like we would we would do prayer and a pledge of allegiance in school." Uh-huh. And uh, I, I did look it up though, and apparently back in 1972 there was a Michigan pledge to the state flag really there is and it goes something like this it'll be the first time i've read it and heard it um but uh here you go it's i pledge allegiance to the flag of michigan and to the state for which it stands two beautiful peninsulas united by a bridge of steel where equal opportunity and justice to all is our ideal that i like that why are we not saying that more Two beautiful peninsulas <laughs> united by a bridge of steel, oh, man, where equal is... opportunity and justice to all is our ideal. That is that is some American literature right there, and I love it. I know, like, I mean, never once have I ever like, man, if that was on a governor campaign, that would just... I'm voting for him a I thousand would. percent. Like, united, got my vote. United by a bridge <laughs> of steel, like nothing's more united than a bridge of steel. I yeah, mean, there uh, without that. You got nothing. We're not two. We're not two peninsulas no. united. We're connected by a bridge no. of steel. Dude, that's so crazy. And uh, man, the uh, Mackinac Bridge, one of the largest suspension bridges in the nation, in the world, forever big, wow. huge, yeah. massive, awesome. Like check out the Mackinac Bridge, Mackinac because that's bridge. where we are united. Yeah, uh, for equal opportunity and justice to all is our. That's deal. funny. Well, now I've, I've got to go back and I got to tell my wife that there is a pledge to Michigan, um, because. At their school, um, they they don't do a pledge, and I looked it up, and I, and no other state that I know of. And if you guys, you know, from another state, you guys do a pledge to like Alabama or Mississippi. I don't well, know you why know Alabama has a pledge. <laughs> I don't know why I listed off those two states, but um, you know, if you guys have a, another, uh, you know, if y'all have a a pledge to your state, you know, let us know because I I looked it up and I saw some videos like on on Instagram of people being like. No, dude, Texas is just its own country. Like, y'all are literally your own, like, entity, and y'all are crazy, and you're in a cult because nobody else does this. In the mornings, we say the Pledge of Allegiance, and we get our day started. Nobody else takes the time out to say the, the Pledge to Texas. So, um, yeah, if, if, if any of y'all out there have another have a pledge for your, for your state, let us know. We would love to hear it. Um, if not, uh, uh, you know, God bless Texas. 
God bless Texas. <laughs> oh, man. Fantastic. All right. So we left off on the last episode. We talked about how I got to this state and uh, how I got to Michigan and, you know, where I came from and all this good stuff. So on this one, uh, we're going to talk about Mike, how White Mike became White Mike. So well, this is going to be the White Mike edition. I was born. <laughs> he was born was, this way. I was born, this, I was born white. <laughs> Little Lady Gaga got referenced there. See, Tony, when a man <laughs> loves a woman. Uh, <laughs> the birds and the bees. <laughs> Which, oh, speaking man. of that, we've got we've to talk about that one, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll talk about that one, man. Raising a kid these days. Yeah, yes, indeed. I'll see if we got time today. Uh, man, so, you know, there was a time back in the day um, when, you know, this this woman fell in love with a man. They decided to, you know, and then I was born. Okay. <laughs> um, they decided to, uh, then out came me uh, yeah Mike. i'm michigan native man i'm i've been I, I was i was raised here lived here my whole life awesome. um kind of funny it came you know i come from a, a divorced family uh you know uh everywhere like my whole family was like riddled with it when i first got married i was like that was my goal like you know what i just want to my whole family's just like littered with this divorce. I just want to not be divorced. Right. Like how great would that be? Just to break you know, the cycle. Yeah, break mm-hmm. that cycle. Um, you know, and it wasn't a bad thing as a kid. And it's funny, you know, people people worry about it. And if you're divorced out there, man, I get it. You know, I understand. Yeah. Like I've been around it, you know, with it, without it. Talked to tons of people, you know, that have going through it or going through it. I've helped people overcome it and not go through it, and seen people go through it. But it's. You know, sometimes the kids they just don't know. I didn't know anything different. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was normal to me through my eyes. Um, so, you know, when I was young, my parents separated. And, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, I'm a product of the 80s. You know, there was a lot going on. And, you know, all of a sudden, like, I'm kind of cast into the world. I, I got an older sister. It's me, my sister, and my mom growing up in you know, the, the big city of Lansing, the capital of Michigan. And, you know, like we're struggling. This is back when it was the, you know, the eighties and it was, you're struggling. Like there wasn't, I mean, I remember my mom working, you know, three jobs at one point, you know, we're, we're hitting the Salvation Army and the Red Cross for food and stuff. And, you know, and she liked to party, mm. you know, I mean, and as a kid, it, it didn't matter. Like we grew up kind of in the hood. There was our street that was, that was white people. We had all mm-hmm. the white people on our street. One street to the north was uh, all Mexicans, mm-hmm. and one street to the south was all black people. Mm. And occasionally, you know, we'd have them running through the woods, like right, <laughs> going one way or the other. And you know, we'd sit up there and watch. You know, we'd watch cops. Cops was a big show back then, oh, man. Yeah. And there was one episode filmed right on my corner. You know, like um, it was, it was crazy. Cops were everywhere, and. You know, I, I grew up in the inner city, and um, I had I had black teachers, I had white teachers. You know, um, my fifth grade teacher, uh, Tom Rademacher, and he he taught in Lansing. And I'm gonna find this guy because at that time in fifth grade, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a kid in fifth grade, and my mom tried to put us in sports, you know, and she tried to get us to stuff, and we did things. I had some buddies, you know, I had a I had a great growing up i was outside electronics weren't really a thing you mm-hmm. know so i mean we were building tree forts we yeah. were outside i was outside all the time oh yeah so the street um, lights came on yeah basically. the street lights came on if you heard your mama hollering mm-hmm. in the distance yeah you, get you already knew yeah and um i was i remember being in fifth grade you know and i'd sit in the back of the class and i'm just a boy 
You know, if it was today's time, you know, I would have been medicated with whatever, everything they could have. ADHD, whatever mm. you name it. Um, autistic. I mean, I could have been all of that stuff. Mm. I was just a boy, an outdoor kid, uh, you know, a Huck Finn, stuck in a classroom, learning stuff I didn't care, didn't know, didn't whatever. And this dude told me, you know, if your brains were dynamite, you wouldn't have enough to blow your nose. Mm. And it's funny, you know, uh, 30-plus years later, this thing still sticks with me. Mm-hmm. It's not I don't it's not a negative thing, man. It kind of fires me up. Yeah. But if your brains are dynamite, you wouldn't have enough to blow your nose. And it and it wasn't a matter of of if I was smart or not. It was cuz I mean, I I did great on tests and stuff like that. It just maybe he was a horrible teacher. But could be. Fact of the matter is, it's like I I mean, I was I was in a like a struggling community in a mm-hmm. struggling time. And it was funny because I like now, you know, my mom and I have great relationship. You know, I, you know, one thing and I little caveat here is if you boys out there, men, um, daddies and all those people, even if you're a grandfather, and if your mom's still around, take her on a date. Oh, yeah. One of the best things I did for my mom is I took her on a date. Mm. You know, I was like 32 and I called her up and I was like, hey, let's go. You want to go on a date? And we went and had dinner and hung out and talked and. It was cool because I was able to, you know, she holds a lot. Like now as a parent myself, I can look back on it and know like, man, I can, I can look at my life and question, did I do everything right? You know, man, if I would have done something different, this would have been different. Right. In her situation, she totally could. And, you know, I could tell like there's some guilt there maybe. And I told her, I was like, man, who knows what it'd be like to be raising two kids as a, as a single mom. And having to do what you have to do, you know, without just going off the rails. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody could give up at any time, you know, and, and I, she gave us the best she could with the tools she had. Well, there's nothing to be guilty about that. Like if you went out and she got stuck at the bar, you know, or, right. you know, I mean, trying to cut loose here and there, like as a, as a mom, I mean, we can always look back at our situation that raised us as a, a means for this is why I'm mad at the world. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'd have done that, I'd have been a rapper mm-hmm. or, a, you know, I guess a country singer mm-hmm. or something, yeah. you know. But <laughs> Three chords in the truth. I yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's like like she like she did the best she had with, the, like, the, the, best, the best she knew. Mm-hmm. You know, her best information her whole life created that whole situation for yeah. us. You know, it's like I can't falter to that. I was okay with that. Um, but we were, you know, like we were struggling, you know, and there was a time, I think I went to be with my dad for a few months in the summer. We got summer visitation. He would see us every once in a while. I don't know he was a bad dad, but he was a dude mm-hmm. like doing his own thing, yeah. man. Um, and I didn't really know anything different, so it didn't matter. And he, uh, he, I went to stay there for one weekend or a couple months in the summer, you know, and then it, the question came up, it was like, I was around 10 years old. It's like, I want to go live with my dad, you know? And, um, it, it, it kind of came to fruition where my mom was like, you know, let's, that's probably a good idea. You know, let's mm-hmm. have you do that. And my sister wanted to come too. And honestly, you know, as a kid, you're just like, yay, I get to go live with my dad. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. You know, I moved from the inner city to the country, mm-hmm. you know, a whole different world now. It's all different. Um, you know, I'm away from the, you know, the, just the noise of the city. Right. Right. Like right. just the, like I said, you know, the black street and the Mexican street and like you didn't trick or treat down one street, you know, mm-hmm. because it was just no lights were on. You just didn't go there. 
let me I guess back up a little bit. Like we're talking about like I had I had tons of black friends in school. Mm. You know, I got knocked out by a black guy, you know, once because I called him the N word mm. as a kid. I just it didn't know like segregation was already a thing right. as, at that little even though I had I had like some black friends that stuck up for me mm-hmm. in, in elementary school. Um, you know, some of the coolest people. And it was just there was already a different a different this the separation happens as a kid mm-hmm. you know and it's just a it's a bad way to grow up and to be able to have opportunity to kind of like jump out of that but then for my mom to be one that would let her kids go you know this is one thing i told her when i took her out to dinner as well i was like you know you're you got a 10 year old and 11 year old kid and you're about to make the decision that i'm gonna let them go you know live with their dad and you know, I've raised them to this point. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine like just the pressure or the the guilt or the sorrow that that would be like to let your kids go, you know, live with your ex mm-hmm. husband or wife, you know, to make that decision for the better of her. Right. You know, she's tried her best and all of a sudden she's going to, you know, I mean, that would be bad. That would be, that would be a, a tough situation. That was be the, looking at my own kids. Now my kids are at the same age I was mm. to be able to look at them and say, you guys are going to go live with someone else right, to yeah, give them away. Yeah, And uh, we did that, you know, and um, I moved out into the country and the whole world was different. I went from a, a school early on that was, uh, you know, it was mixed. We were a mm-hmm. bunch of, there was no, there was really no color there. Everybody, they were just a bunch of kids all over the place. Yeah. To the city or the country where um, we had one black kid, mm. you know, and Damn. he would be like the famed, I know. The token. The token, mm-hmm. the 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 whitest black guy anybody <laughs> knew, which is such a derogatory statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's not a white black guy; he's right. just a black guy. Yeah, and he's probably one acting a certain way so that he could fit, fit in. in. Mm-hmm. Poor fella, and um, it's just a different time. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I'm I'm so glad that you you actually brought that up because I I've received that so many times. You know, like growing up, I would get that all the time. Like, oh, you're like the whitest black guy ever. And, you know, I would just laugh it off because I wasn't, you know, I, I was young. You know, it didn't, it didn't resonate to me, you know, how that would affect me later. Um, you know, I had pe- friends that would call me Oreo, you know, black on the outside, one on the inside. Um, and, and, it, and it's funny because I received it from both ends, you know, I received it from, uh, you know, my black friends and I received it from my white friends. So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, space that you enter into just because you're not, I didn't grow up in the hood. You know, I didn't grow up in in uh, in Third Ward, like, and I, and I mentioned Third Ward, Texas, right now. Uh, shout out to uh, Third Ward, Houston, Texas. Uh, that's where my parents live. Um, but I, I didn't grow up out there. I grew up in Cypress, Texas, which is a uh, a suburb of Houston, and it's a very uh, wealthy suburb of Houston. And so everyone that I was around, you know, we all we talk the same, we act the same, we kind of like dress the same and things like that. And so I never really, uh, I, I never really. I guess ventured into like being like, you know, talking a certain way and dressing a certain way that resonated with being black. You know, I just, I was just me, you know? And I think, uh, at that time, you know, like you mentioned, I had a lot to do with, uh, trying to fit in, um, and, and people not understanding how that was such a bad thing to say and not a good thing to say to somebody, um, being the token, you know, being the only black person in, in, in a certain area. So, uh, I'm actually glad you brought that up. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if it would ever go the other way where you're the blackest white guy I've known, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, they would call us 
the the coin term of wigger. Yeah, right? yeah, like, dude. And you know how bad that like I I think I was telling you about this one time. I was like, we were in a time where we would like say that, and not even that an I. We would just change like people would change the the letter around from an N to a W. And just have the hard ER at the end and just be like, yeah, hey, this is who you are. And it's like, whoa, dude, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2003, that was such a weird time. Yeah. It was a weird time. It is funny. So I was talking about the only time I got knocked out was, you know, I'm I'm hanging out in the middle middle of the city and uh, we run into some black guys, me and my white friends, some black guys, and I don't even remember what happened. Something, some trash talking, whatever, and it was like, you know, I dropped the N word with the hard R, mm. and um, I wake up on the ground, <laughs> and um, they're stealing my bike. You know, we like a little bit of a battle, get it back, and then the you know the cops show up to my house later, and white female cop comes to my house and explains to me, you know, like you can't say the N word, man, mm-hmm. like it's not okay. And I didn't think about that until we probably started this podcast. I'm like, man, good for her. Yeah. To show up and put a, you know, put a stand up yeah. there for that. What's in that right. time frame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and this is like the early, early 90s, right? Like it was, uh, you know, it was still a different time then, you know, but, um, you know, sure. Like, you know, white rappers have maybe made it a little bit more acceptable or something, mm. you know, and I don't want to get too much off topic. We'll, the next podcast will definitely jump into some of the stuff, how it's changed as far yeah. as like what lives matter right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, times have changed a lot and there's no, there's just never a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference, you know, and I, and I wasn't, I, my, so my mom, um, later on, so I moved in with my dad. Let me get back on to, on the story here. I moved in with my dad and, you know, I'm living out in the country, living in the sticks and it's cool. It's, it's a good time, you know, and, uh, you know, everything else was typical white suburban male from there. You know, <laughs> I, I started working at a young age on the farm, you know, you know, big trucks, mud trucks, you name it. it right? Sounds like a, the, the start of a Luke Bryan <laughs> song or music video. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> I went straight up. I went country right after that. And, you know, it just, but it was like the whole change in schools thing. So I went from, I came from this, this, this inner city mm-hmm. to like where we didn't have nothing, man. Like, you know, your jeans become your saint, your shorts. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. everything was hand-me-downs. Um, it you know, it was like a hard life to out into the country where, you know, like the white suburban hills, like yeah. stuff mattered, mm-hmm. you know? And all of a sudden I started to see the different lens. And maybe this is where my view comes from. Like, I, I I know what it's like to have nothing. Right. Like, when we used to, like, steal pop bottles from neighbors down the road so we can go buy Fago, you know, growing up <laughs> as a kid. Fago. Uh, a big shout out. Big to, shout uh, out to Fago. The Fago. <laughs> uh, the Jackpot Party Store on South Cedar. Big shout out to those guys, man, for their burritos and Fago. <laughs> we couldn't even afford Mountain Dew or Pepsi, man. It was Fago. But we would steal pop bottles just to, you know, buy soda and... You know, we move out into the the country, and it's it's a whole different time, man. It it, it mattered what you wore. Mm. You know, like I got the same pair of jeans on I had on yesterday, and it mattered what you wore. And it just it was a whole different perspective. Like it started to mess with me a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And I get into sports, and you know, then I kind of start to fit in a little bit. I start to kind of gel with the culture a little bit and have a great time, man. And it was just. It was just an outsider coming into an already existing culture that was there. Right. You know, the the, the small town, country, farm town, America culture. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, you know, it was kind of cool because I was just friends with everybody. But the uh, 
the you know the unique thing is I started working young. My mom she ends up she you know she ends up marrying a a black man that she worked with, you know, and you know now all of a sudden you know my white mom is married to a black man and he's got you know black kids too. So mm-hmm. like my my stepsister I guess is you know black mm-hmm. awesome, you know and. I just, I grew up there, so I had no idea. Like, it, it just didn't matter. It didn't, none of that mattered to right. me. Right, yeah. And, you know, the, my mom moves to Detroit, so now I'm exposed, because, so, my stepdad grew up in Detroit, you know, and he's been shot at, all that stuff, right, in, like, extreme inner city. Mm-hmm. And I'm hanging out in Detroit, and, you know, or suburbs of Detroit, and we're going over there, and y- you start to you start to see stuff a little bit differently too. You know, we like, I would love it. Like we go downtown, there's a farmer's market in Detroit. That's phenomenal, man. Like you can get all sorts of food, um, you know, you know, candy goodies, like the big cities, like we were just in Boston a little while ago too, man. And they have farmer's markets all over Boston. It's like, you go to a big city, hit hit up a farmer's market, man. You're going to see hardcore people come into the town Mm. that are entrepreneurs that are selling goods and services. And I mean, it's just Mm. so cool. So that's pretty cool. like downtown Detroit's beautiful. And, you know, you know, you always, you know, you see a movie like eight mile or you hear about certain things, in certain cities. There's, of course there's bad parts. Everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, there was one time when I'm, I mean, when I heard gunshots real close in the city for the first time, man, it's a little, it's a little eerie, mm. you know, they could have been just shots fired in the air, but it's still a little eerie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, there's good and bad. I mean, you just, I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't oblivious to the culture, you know, I just, I didn't see it. I didn't see the problem. I didn't see the big deal. Yeah. Um, I just come from the country and, and did that, man. But so all of that, you know, I'm getting close to graduating high school. Um, you know, counselors keep asking me like, Mike, they, they call me white Mike. What do you know? (laughs) Mike, what are you going to do the rest of your life, man? I'm an 18 year old kid. You know, I'm, you know, chasing, doing typical boy stuff, chasing girls, you know, partying in cornfields. Right. Just, and they're, what are you going to do the rest of your life? You know, all of a sudden I started working at a young age and all of a sudden I just, I saw my life kind of flashing before my eyes. Like I've started feeling old. Like, what are you going to do the rest of your life? I'm like, I'm just going to work. Be, be your average white guy. Like I wasn't going to school. I wasn't going to go gonna to college. Going to drive an F one fifty. I mean, driving the F one fifty platinum. Um, I just was. I was bored, you know. And nine eleven happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember exactly where I was, and it just it hit me. I was like, you know, we're attacked. I bought right into the cause. Like we're yeah. attacked, you know. I felt. I felt what I thought was like the World War Two generation. Like man, like Pearl Harbor was there. Their catalyst. I'm like, right. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, like these guys got to pay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like it probably was. It wasn't the next day, but it might as well have been the next day. The Marine Corps shows up in my high school. You yeah. know, like, hey, That's looking, looking sweet. Yeah, and he was like, you want to get girls? You know, <laughs> you can wear this jacket too. Uh, but he just, I mean, the Marine Corps was there, and I'm a cocky young kid. And he was like, you want to be the best? You're going to be in the Marines. You know, and and it wasn't even being the best. Mm-hmm. You know, I started researching stuff back then. You'd pull up the encyclopedia, you know, or hit up the dial-up internet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Or get your internet on a disc. I, oh, yeah. Toughestbootcamp.com, you know. It's like the Marine. I watched Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. You know, and I just wanted, like, I just started to love, like, love, like, I want to, if I want to do something, I want it to be, like, the best. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to, and I didn't know this was in me at the time, but I was like, 
like if I'm going to be in a branch, I started asking people and I'd, you know, I'd ask some other people that were in the Marine Corps, you know, they were former Marines and they're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Marine Corps where it's at, you know, and I started digging into it and I just like the posture that, you know, and I was, I just lacked self-confidence in Mm -hmm. high school, you know, and, and all of a sudden I saw people of confidence. I saw like a, a chip on their shoulder. And the people that have ran into Marines before are probably like, oh, yeah, you know, he's always talking about cocky old, you know, you know, yeah. leatherneck jarhead, of yep. course. I've been told that, you know, you're the you're the typical jarhead. <laughs> and, uh, but it just something about their posture mm-hmm. excited me. And I was like, absolutely, you know. And so I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. And, you know, I was originally going to go um, like some kind of, we call it pogues in the Marine Corps. I was going to go on the legal side of things and have a good job. And all of a sudden, like an infantry slot came up and they're like, dude, you can blow stuff up, man. It's going to be great. And I'm from the country. We shoot guns. I'm like, nothing's more America yeah. than, than Sh- the Marine Corps. Shooting, and, a, shooting a gun, yeah. blowing up a, a tank of propane. Yeah. High <laughs> explosives, you know, if, if yeah. we can detonate it, I'm in it, you yeah. know, and so I went infantry Marine Corps and, and, uh, had a blast, you know, went to California. No pun away. intended. You know, <laughs> dots. and i had a great time man I met some awesome people you know people i still talk to today and you know it was i tell people i tell people every time like if you're if you're unsure what you want to do you know support our military yeah I, a thousand percent you know the love of the nation you know the respect of the flag mm-hmm. you know and other people i mean i was in boot camp with people that didn't speak english man mexicans would they would come across the border and they would just they would you know, if they could serve in our military, they could get citizenship. And, and I love that mm-hmm. willing to go fight for another country in a war they didn't start or have anything to do with just so that they could be, they could be free. Yeah. I mean, touche. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. And, um, had some great time and great people. You know, I learned a lot, man. And it really kind of gave me enough time to just get a spine and to, to kind of calm down and just really, really start to see stuff differently. And it kind of set my whole life up for a whole different angle that I ever knew. Yeah. And you know, it was, it was a good time. It was a stressful time, but it really kind of started to build the foundation that I have today. It just, you know, character and discipline, Yeah, you know, they drill in you in the, in the military, discipline, discipline, discipline. And, and if anything's ever going to change in our nation, if anything's ever going to change in our relationships, it just comes down to, you know, to having the discipline to, to, to call a spade a spade, to, to seek out stuff that's wrong and start making it right, mm-hmm. you know. And there's, and it, like when we first met, man, I was like, everybody, everybody's green. Like yeah. I had, you know, I was a minority in the military. It, it felt like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, sure, it's full of white people, but I mean, my friends were were you know Mexicans, blacks. I mean, it didn't matter. If you're willing to die with me, man, like yeah. you're you're my yeah. you're my brother today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I've got a, a good friend of mine, which I've, I've talked to you about. Um, one of my best friends is a Marine. Uh, he he served. Uh, he did two tours, two or three tours in Afghanistan, um, and he had that same mentality. Uh, I remember him telling me, you know, a lot of those people that I spent time with, uh, they were willing to die with me. He was in um, artillery. Yes, artillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never forget this. The day that I got engaged. Uh, I, I kept getting a phone call from like this uh, four-digit number, and uh, we were in Mackinac Island, riding around on the island, and it was raining cats and dogs. And it kept calling me, and I finally answered it, and I was like, kind of angry, I was like, "Oh!" And he's like, "What's up, fool?" <laughs> and I was like, Are you? "I said his name." I was like, "Is that you?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's literally in Afghanistan, and you can hear like the 
the uh, I'll just say cannons, but you could hear like the cannons going off, boom, in the background. And he's like, I hear you getting married. I was like, Are you? Are you? Are you in danger? Like, should you be calling me right now? He's like, Oh no, we're just going through a drill. I was like, Okay. <laughs> but um, you know, we we talked, and and he was like, he was telling me about his experiences and stuff there, and he was he literally said the same words that you said that, you know, the people that fought with him are his family because they were they were willing to die with him. You know what I mean? And and that's that that's something that I was just like, wow. And it's rare. And I, and I know, all of our armed forces are amazing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But ask a Marine out there, you know, it's, there's a little bit of difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it's sure it's smaller. I mean, we do, we do some extremely dumb stuff, <laughs> but I mean, the, the nights in a mud hole, half filled of water talking about certain story. I mean, just the relate, like you and, and this, and this, all right. So this kind of started this whole process for me of, when you build relationships, it comes through extreme times like that. Yeah. You have these demanding circumstances that creates people and, and develops relationships that are thicker than water. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a couple uh, in Southern California that took us in on our, our weekends when we were out there that didn't have to. Mm. They would host Thanksgiving and have Marines that didn't have families to come That's down. Awesome. And, I mean, they had a, I mean, they had so much stuff going on. Up yeah. There. That's and awesome. They they took us in, you know, and I still keep in contact with those guys. And it's like just people that are willing to like lay themselves down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm getting all biblical and everything, but people that are willing to sacrifice for the their betterment of other people, it's just it, it blows my mind. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's what we were that's what we were uh designed to do, you know. I all, think so. You know, we were we I, I personally feel like that and again, not to get too biblical here, that's gonna be another podcast, y'all tune in for that one but uh i feel like that that's our calling you know lay ourselves down for other people uh i i'm a big component of doing whatever i can to help other people i'm always willing to help anybody like if you need help i'm there i'm the first person there yeah. uh, no matter what it is i uh, remember you trying to pull somebody out of a ditch in a snowstorm yeah i was i was the first one there man <laughs> you're like i don't know what i'm doing i'm from texas but i'm here to help <laughs> stand back yeah we're gonna we're gonna tie this thing on here. And we're gonna put it in four high, four high. <laughs> That's another talk too, man. Tony and four high. Uh, we'll teach this guy how to mud truck a little bit. Um, but you know, to you know, I ran an Ironman because the a friend of mine went to run an Ironman and he ended up, you know, dropping out of the race. Like it was a super hot day. In a, at an Ironman event, for those of you who don't know, it's a two almost it's a two point four mile swim, one hundred twelve mile bike ride, and then a marathon on top of that. And like about halfway through the bike ride, his heart rate was so elevated that he got pulled off the course. And you know, I'm watching him go through this whole event, and that happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like, "I'm going back next year." And I was like, "You know what? I'm going with you. I'm if you're gonna die on that course, I'm gonna mm. die there with you." Yeah. And I started training, you know, and a year later, he didn't make it to the starting line, but I did with a handful of other people. And I completed the first Ironman. It kind of just, it was weird Mm -hmm. because I didn't do it for me. I did it because I had a few other people that were doing it that I told, like, of course, you know, the week before I just wanted to bail, but I had three other guys that were going. Now is is that the one that shocks you? Like if you're in the water, you got to climb through the mud and stuff. No, that's like a a Spartan race or a Tough Mud or something. No, this is straight up triathlon, man. It's Um, it's just, I mean, I never ran a marathon. This is my first marathon. It's yeah. funny. Cause people get like your, your marathon time was seven hours. I'm like, it was the worst marathon of my life, man. It was after riding 116 miles on a bike, you know, like, <laughs> of course, of course it was bad. You know, Jeez. it was, um, 
I trained hard too, but it, I mean, that's some of the hardest stuff I've done. And, you know, I just, to be able to, to take people, average people, you know, like I've, I've, I went through Marine Corps boot camp. you know, I've done some crazy stuff. You know, I was going to ask you that. Is that, would you say that, um, training for the Ironman is harder than the Marine Corps boot camp? I mean, the training, training wasn't nothing. Knowing what I know now, like, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy the training. So the race is a day, you mm-hmm. know, 14 hours or so, 12 if you're good. The The race is a day, but the hours in the pit training, mm. like that's where, like that's where you got to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, when I teach these kids when I'm coaching football, it's like, you know, we got 40 practices and only eight games. Like, yeah. What do you need to learn to love? Then yeah. the practices. Yeah, enjoy you the know, practices. You're never going to have something show up on game day that didn't show up in practice. Right. Like, you know, so knowing what I know now, when I was on the race course, it was like I definitely, I definitely raced way harder than I trained, mm. and it taught me something. It's like, you know, be willing to put up the work in training, otherwise it ain't going to show up on race day. Yeah, and you know, you know, Marine Corps boot camp is physical and mental for sure. I mean, I, there's times I miss it. Like it was a good time, and I look back on it, it's like. At that time in my life, I was like just trying to survive. You know, you go into something like that, you don't know what to expect. You know, you just want to survive. Mm-hmm. If I would go back and do it all over again, I I would just go at it a hundred percent. Yeah, like don't show up to anything and just get through it. Especially something that you volunteer for, like an Ironman, or you know, uh, if you're going to be taking on a new career, or yeah. if you're going to go to college, if you're going to go to college and chase down a new a degree, I went. I became a. I was a habitual starter, never a finisher. I would I would start things and I would just you know it was exciting for a couple weeks and I would kind of bail. Yeah. And I got addicted to going back and just checking stuff off. Yeah. You know what? I had this pile of stuff that was unfinished. I had a degree that I was a, like I ended up finding out I was a class one class short of an associate's degree. Mm. So it's like here I go back to college in my thirties, you know, to take an environmental science class and <laughs> you know four point that bad boy, you know, yeah, get her done, yeah. check that box, and just to to go back and start finishing stuff. You know, I had a pilot's li- my I started my pilot's license and then it was like five years and I I kind of stopped I stopped it after like. 15, 20 hours. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish that thing. And I went back and I just ground it out. I finished it in like six months, you know, and it it just become a finisher, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was something that if I could go back and do again, especially with like the Marine Corps and what I've learned over the years is like to be able to, if you're going to start something, man, just see it through, Mm -hmm. see it through, give it a hundred (laughs) percent. Got to see it (laughs) through through. and give it a hundred percent because that moment the training, like, so graduate college, let's talk about college, graduation, four years of college, boom, one graduation day, you get a degree, great. Mm-hmm. You're into your career. Chinese literature is awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, man, excel every day of the four years up to it. You know, we work so hard, and then the moment's gone like that. You you get all, all the glory comes through the training. Yeah. You know, when I was training for an Ironman, it was a year of training, man. The 5 a.m. swims in the morning. You know, I would run. I had buddies that would go running at 1 a.m. with Oof. me. Like, let's go out. I had a buddy do a half marathon with me, like, 2 in the morning just because we're crazy. Yeah. But at that time, like, I didn't think anything of it. But looking back, I miss it. Yeah. You know, you, you, you run the race. You run the race like that, and you just realize that, Everything I I just I just saw, I just got through it. You know, mm. I just I just did good enough to to make through the train and check the box. If I was if I could check enough boxes, I would complete the race. Knowing that the race is only a day mm-hmm. and checking those boxes was really the victory. You know, I I've, I've always wanted to do an Ironman 
or something along those lines. Like, uh, you what? I, uh, hold on a second. Let me finish. Um, I've always wanted to do one of those, but I found out about the swimming part, and I was like, oh, dude, I can't swim. Black people don't swim. No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> black people don't swim. And if and it, it's it's funny because now, like, when I go to water parks and stuff, I see I see black people out there swimming and stuff. I'm like, look at this unicorn. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. No, no. Okay, so I forgot about so in our three month summer off here. Oh yeah, of, of Basic Dudes podcast, Tony. And it was even your, I think it might have been your wife idea, but it was your idea was, hey, man, let's go to this water park. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go just so I could know what a black yeah. guy looks like wet. Yeah. It's not, it's not pretty. Um, <laughs> uh, talk about the the water slide. Oh my gosh. Okay. So y'all, we're, we're one big happy family here now. So I'll share some, some, some stuff with you guys. Um, when, before I was born, I lost a brother. Um, there, there's seven of us in my family. My mom and dad had seven children. One of them passed away, unfortunately. Uh, he drowned in the swimming pool. Um, and then I, I believe a few months later, let's call it a year later, I, I came out, um, I, I was, I was born and, um, uh, it, the rest was history. You know, I never knew anything about it, um, until I got a little bit older. I, so I never learned how to swim. Um, I met my wife and wait, she, so your brother was uh, older than you. Yeah, he was so older. Your brother passed away that you were born. So your parents were like, there ain't no way. Yeah. Ain't no way. Yeah. Ain't, swimming. Yeah. Ain't no way you're going swimming. Um, and so my, my son is actually named after him. Uh, his middle name is Michael. That, that was my brother's name. His name is Michael. Um, and so my son is named after him. Um, it, but I, I didn't know anything about him. And I didn't know, like, you know, what happened. Um, still to this day, a lot of it's murky. I, I don't like to bring that up because that's a trauma for my parents. Um, and so uh, you know, I just never learned how to swim. Uh, and I remember one, there was one day I was 19 years old. Uh, and I was at a pool with my friends and they knew I couldn't swim. Like I, I told them the story and all that stuff. And, uh, I was playing around the pool and I went to the deep end. And I started drowning and my buddy jumped in. He just so happened to be a Marine and, uh, he jumped in and saved Hoorah. me. Uh, hoorah. Uh, so he jumped in and saved me. His name was, uh, his name was Jared and I, I, we would call him JJ. Um, and at that time there was a Kenny Chesney song, uh, that was called you saved me. And there's a part of that song that he's like, uh, baby, you saved me. And so, um, after he got me out of the, out of the water, I would, I would tell him like, JJ, you saved me. And I would always sing that verse to him. Um, so, uh, anyway, I, I, I never really, uh, learned how to swim, but my wife was very, very, um, particular about just jump in and do it. And I learned that that's kind of a, a, a white people thing. Like if you don't know how to do something or if you're scared to do it, no, you're going to do it and you're going to like it. and so um you know i started touring around the water a little bit well anyway long story short let's fast forward to uh what was it july i think it was in july um you know we went to the water park and and mike's there with me and uh mike's like hey we're gonna go on this big ass slide i was like no the f we're not and mike's like no you are we're gonna do it i was like dude mike i don't know man like that 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 right there looks horrifying he's like i got you it's fine you'll be fine come on let's go well we went and when I tell you, I, it was the most horrific slash fun slash scary slash exciting slash uh, horrific. And yes, I laughed the whole time <laughs> seeing your face. Horrific was used twice. And yes, you laughed. I could hear you laughing. Um, I, and- my face hurts. We were sitting across <laughs> from each other. So it was like one of these big, big tubes and you're across from each other. And all I like, we hit this thing and... Black, you got a picture of this. Black Tony, eyes just wired shut, screaming. Holding from on t- for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
I can see it now. Oh, it was it was uh, yeah, and water's just splashed me in the face and it's like big waves of water just hit me from the left, hit me from the right. It's in my nose. You crazy white uh, yeah. this and this this birthed the moment of, you know, we're going to have Tony doing crazy white guys. Yeah, yeah. After that, as soon as we got off from there, I was getting it out of my nose and stuff and I was like, "All right, I survived. That was good." And I was thinking like, I was like, "You know what? I would do that again." And Mike came over and he was like, "Well," and I was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. And that's when he got the idea. Well, we both kind of had the idea. We we're like, you know what? We need to start doing just like white people stuff and having you go through and experience it. And I was like, yeah, dude, I want to blow up some stuff. White people always blow up stuff. And uh, whether it's propane or cars, whatever it may be, let's do it. Yep. So that that, that kind of spawned the whole idea of, uh, you know, doing white people stuff and just kind of experiencing that. And we're going to do some black people stuff. We're going to some, get you in on some black people stuff, teach you how to play spades and dominoes and dice i want to do the dice <laughs> do, some, do some dice we did get you to shotgun a beer yes um which i've done that before i've done that many I times know. Before. i thought that was a first for no, you but no, 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 i've no, done no. that we before. gotta take it up a notch man we <laughs> shotgun yeah. some some whiskey we got no <laughs> we gotta do some more white guy stuff we're gonna play risk oh geez that already <laughs> that already sounds oh man so that's good. That's how we got here, man. That's how I got here, I guess. It's just uh it's been a it's been a fun road, a lot of lessons along the way, man. I'm I'm blessed you guys are sticking with us here, man. It's just it's fun. We're gonna dig into a lot of stuff here, man. It's always always great being in the studio with my man Black Tony. Yeah, and it, lots of topics, man. I, I think when we started this, we wanted to um kind of uh bridge that communication gap between um, people of all different races and backgrounds and color and, and all that stuff, man. Uh, and we said in our first podcast, you know, turn off the news and talk to your neighbor. That was one of the main, that was our theme, you know, turn off the news, talk to your neighbor. Because the news is going to tell you that uh, Detroit's the worst place you can ever go and that, you know, 75 people were shot in Chicago. But they're not going to tell you what part or what was, you know, the, the leading up to anything ar- uh, along those lines. And, you know, Detroit is a beautiful city. So, so for any of y'all that are listening right now that uh, that want to take a venture up to Michigan, visit Detroit. I strongly recommend going to Detroit, going down to Greek Town, uh, maybe going to, to a Tiger or Lions game, even though they're looking good. They're looking good. They're looking good. Okay, we'll we'll say that. But um, you know, go down to Greek Town. You know, spend some time in downtown Detroit. You'll you'll find it that it's it's very nice in Chicago. I love Chicago. And I know Houston, Chicago. We're going to Chicago. Yes. Um, yeah. Your wife is like, we said Chicago. Your wife's like, yes. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. She's already planning it. Like she's already got like notes down and everything. I've We're been to Chicago in a long time, man. Taking so the train. Um, Chicago is absolutely fantastic. I love it. And and I'm not, I'm not just saying that being a black guy. You know, saying that for. We're gonna be doing a podcast live in Chicago. Oh yeah, we're gonna be doing it in Chicago. I, I can't wait to do that either. But uh, just experience it. You know, that never knock something until you try. I for one. I, one of my things on my list before I die, I'm going to go to Alabama, and I, <laughs> I'm going to go to Alabama. You've Bec- never been to Alabama. I've never been. My black self has never been to Alabama for many reasons, but I've heard that Alabama has some of the best beaches. Or I think it's uh, Orange Beach is one of the ones. Bingo! That- it's done, man. We'll see everybody down there, Orange <laughs> Beach, this spring break. <laughs> This spring break on uh, April Tony. 2022, We're White Mike it. Black Tony podcast from Orange Beach. Orange Beach, Alabama. Um, it is a great There's black people in Alabama. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 One problem I have with Alabama is I was in Alabama <laughs> and uh, looking for a crawdaddy boil. Ooh. I heard that there was crawfish, crawfish boils happening mm. down south. And so what did I do? I found 
this big black guy who liked food and he was black. It was obvious. That's all you need. He was obviously black (laughs) and he obviously liked food. And I said, hey, man, where's the best place to get the crawfish boil? And he said, no, man, that's like that's like river food. Nobody Mm. eats that. Mm. (laughs) I was like, oh, man. That's interesting. Pretty soon I realized that. And everybody's going to Alabama. Uh, crawfish boil is not is not a it's not a thing. It's not it is a thing, but it's not like a a delicacy. Right. Not like lobster in Boston. Yeah, right. Yeah. The crawfish boil is the river fe- river people food. Mm. Really good though. Not gonna lie. Yeah. So really it, really good. It, but it, it was funny. I, I so here's my preconceived notion was like every black person in Alabama knows what a crawdaddy boil is. Yeah. And I was well, wrong. D- just for Stereotypical you guys, and white. Just for you guys to know, um, if you ever run across a large black man and you're in a different city and you want to know where the good place to eat is, you ask that man where you get a good burger or a good sandwich from. They're going to tell you because they know. Like, I, I, I know. <laughs> uh, but, just to assume that the big black guy in another state eats crawfish. Is, yeah, yeah. That's that true. is racial. Yes, that is racial. Um, no, but I think Louisiana and Texas are the only ones that really do the the crawfish boil. And um, Louisiana in particular, um, because they're just ridded. They're, they're all around swamps anyway. And that's where a lot of the crawfish come from. You know, they're all around the swamp. They come out of the mud and all that good stuff. They call them mud bugs. Yeah, um, mud. Good old mud bugs. Some mud bugs. Um, it, it doesn't sound fantastic at all whatsoever. You you open up Facebook, you get an invite to a mud bug uh, boil or a, a mud bug party. You're like, what the heck? I'm not. But then you get there and it's like, you know, season to a T. These these little ugly creatures look so good. So good you so know, <laughs> touche to the southern states. Yeah, man. they know we, how to cook. Like cook for a party too. Oh, Let's yeah. boil this stuff up in yeah. a trash can and yeah. dump it on a table. Absolutely. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. Put some <laughs> yeah. some sausage. You come some in potatoes, hungry, you're leaving some, full. Some shrimp on there. Like it, it's it's fantastic. And I think that Texas and Louisiana are the only uh, the only two states that really do the crawfish boil. Um, and, and I, have experienced so many of them in my life that I, I, I'm drooling. My mouth is salivating right now. Just thinking about, the, I'm hungry, the man. Let's go eat. So we're going to take off. We're going to go eat. We're going to be in Texas in February, February for uh, the white, uh, Mike and black Tony be down in Texas for a Houston rodeo, hitting the rodeo yes, in Houston, indeed. man. We'll look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, obviously we're going to be in Alabama in yeah, April. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Guaranteed, man. So, and then we're also going to be hitting up Cedar point in October for Halloween weekends. Yeah. Um, getting black Tony on some crazy skydiving yeah check us out on facebook we've got a facebook page popping up soon for basic dudes and uh, we'll be posting all these crazy videos of black tony screaming on a roller coaster there (laughs) man so it's always a pleasure i look like so excited so enthused that you guys are are jumping into these podcasts with we love you every bit of us and it's so much fun thanks for joining us man have a great week enjoy the rest of your day we'll be back again soon man adios and back on deals